0: As we continue our study in the book of Hebrews, we've come to a passage that often causes people to stumble when it comes to eternal security. In Hebrews chapter 6 and verses 4 through 6, we read, For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away, to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh, and put him to an open shame. Many people interpret this passage to mean that you can fall from the grace of God and die and go to hell even if you were a child of God. Others interpret this to mean that if you fall from steadfastness in the faith, you never really were a child of God in the first place. But I believe there's a different interpretation. I believe this has to do with children of God remaining faithful. And this is an admonition by the writer of Hebrews not to desert the battle in the midst of the war. Join us today and tomorrow as we explore this passage and try to come to the right understanding by rightly dividing the Word of God. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. you to turn back to the sixth chapter of Hebrews. This morning we dealt with uh, the topic that sort of ended chapter five and began chapter six and I won't re-preach that tonight but I encourage you when we are able to get it up on the podcast in a week or two uh, or maybe a little longer than that but go back and listen to it and I'll give you a little hint into the topic. The topic was grow up. <laughs> grow up. Don't be babes in Christ. Be growing in grace and knowledge of Him. Well, tonight, I want to talk to you about some verses that if we're not grown up, if we're not spiritually mature, we could easily trip over them and get mixed up. So let's begin reading in chapter 6 and verse 1. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to, unto perfection not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permit. And let me just stop there and say, you'll notice that these basic doctrines are the experience of the child of God that is trying to be faithful in his conversion. Now, none of these doctrines teach us how to become a child of God because The truth is, the only way to become a child of God is to have been chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world and to experience the new birth in time, which we don't work to get. We can't get it. You know, we're not interested in it. The natural man is dead in trespasses and in sins. The natural man uh, receives not the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness unto him. He's talking, remember, to children of God. And remember the context. I always try to remind us of this. The book of Hebrews was written to Christians who had been Jews, who were converted to the truth of God's word and understood that Jesus was the end of the law for righteousness. They weren't part of those 10th chapter of Romans Christians that that kept on going about to establish their own righteousness. They had converted to an understanding and belief that Christ had paid it all. Christ had paid their sin debt on the cross. But now, because of persecution, and because of of trials, because of temptations of the world, and the philosophies of men, they've been tempted to go back to that old way of worship. They've been tempted to, to recant, if you will, their confession of Christ, and to go back into the law service of the Old Testament. And you remember that there's already been three warnings, okay, and... And um, we we talked about that third warning this morning. You know, back in chapter two and verse one, it said we need to give the more earnest heed to these things we've heard, lest at any time we let them slip. In chapter four, he said uh, he said let's fear lest a promise being left of us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. In other words, don't don't fall back and try to work your way to heaven. Rest in the gospel and understand it's been done. And then this morning we saw that that these that he's preaching to, he wanted to tell them some things that were more, uh, that were important and deeper, if you will, about the high priesthood of Christ, the Melchizedekan priesthood. But he said, you're still babes. When for the moment you ought to be teachers, I'm having to go back and lay the ground again, the groundwork again. In other words, you ought to be learning algebra, but you're still struggling with addition and subtraction. <laughs> you see, and we learned this morning that's not where we should be. And he said, okay, let's leave those principles of the doctrines of Christ and go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. What's one of the first things a born-again child of God ought to do? He ought to repent from dead works. Now, that, that can certainly mean repent from all the sin that you're continually committing, but it also can and I believe does mean that we should repent from trying to work our way to heaven trying to lay dead works before God as our foundation for being in heaven. And a baptism, you know, one of the first things, we should have faith toward God and get baptized when we have experienced a new birth. And we understand that. That's one of the first things that a child of God ought to do. And in any event, he goes on to lay those foundational doctrines. He said, let's move on now and let's learn some things. He said, and we'll do this if God will permit. That doesn't mean God keeps us from it. It just means as a child of God, we have the ability to learn more and more about God because He suffers us and permits us to do so. So now we come to verse 4. And that's what I want to preach on tonight. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away, to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh, and put him to an open shame. Under the Uniform Code of Military Justice, desertion in general is a felony punishable by up to five years. But in time of war, Desertion is punishable by death. It carries the death penalty. Paul, has, who I believe wrote Hebrews, has been preaching uh, here, writing to these Christians that are up against some struggles that are tempting them to desert the faith. And he is telling them that if, you're willful, if you willfully do this, you're in risk of the death penalty. Now, make sure we understand what we're talking about when we say the death penalty. If we're going to talk about it in a moment, we're not talking about dying and going to hell. But we're talking about dying to the kingdom of God in this life, to the church in this life, okay? We've been preaching about this here, about the spiritual warfare that we're in. We are in a time of war, beloved, and we don't need to desert in the battle, so let's talk about what this, what does this mean? You know, there's a lot of people that misunderstand what these verses are talking about. So let's talk about those wrong interpretations for a minute. There's several wrong interpretations that abound out there. We're going to look at two primary misinterpretations tonight. And, and I want to sort of quote Brother Michael Goins. I, I heard a message preached by him recently on this, and this is the way he put it. He said, there's, and, and there are two primary uh, misinterpretations. I'm going to call one of them the Arminian view and the other the Calvinist or Reformed view, okay? And, and, and Brother Michael Gowen says it this way. He says these passages, these verses say too much for either view to be correct. That's a pretty good way to put it, I thought. So let's look at it. Let's, talk, let's look at the Armenian view. The Armenian view says that you can lose your salvation. Once saved, always saved is not the truth. In other words, you can be a child of God one day having been born of the spirit and based upon your actions or your lack of zeal and lack of faithfulness, you can lose your salvation and die and go to hell. Well, this is the wrong interpretation. Now, first of all, it's wrong because other scriptures uh, contradict it. There's so much scripture in the word of God that we need to look at anytime we're looking at one verse. You don't take that one verse by itself. Remember what 2 Peter 1.20 says, no scripture is of, is of any private interpretation. That Greek word private there is the Greek word idios, idios. And that, that means it's pertaining to yourself, or to one's own, and by implication, it means private or separated from everything else and just looked at alone. Now, I know this is, and it can be and should be, referring to us as readers. When we read a a scripture, we don't put our own private interpretation on it. But I believe that it also can certainly, it, it also refers to the passage itself, And here's what I mean by that. The passage itself cannot be taken out of context and interpreted privately without regard to the rest of the scriptures. You see, the context means so much. We're told in 2 Timothy 2.15, we're to study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. What? Rightly dividing the word of truth. How do you rightly divide something? Well, you don't cut it up and tear it apart. What you do is you just take layer after layer. It's like a sheet of paper, a, a sheaf of paper. You can take one sheet off and lay it here and another there, and you're just dividing it up so you can understand it and comparing Scripture with Scripture. So scripture contradicts this Armenian view in the first place. John six thirty seven tells us, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. There's no exception there for, well, these who were enlightened and they fell away. No, there's no exceptions. I will in no wise cast out that one who comes to me. And that coming to him there, I believe, is clearly talking to us about, Coming to him in the new birth. All that the Father coming to me, all that the Father giveth me shall come unto me. And we know that not all that the Father giveth him comes to him in a church way. Not all of God's children are baptized. Many of God's children have never heard the preaching of the gospel. So he's not talking about coming to him in a gospel way. He's talking about the fact that every single child of God. Every single one that was chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world will be born again, okay? And guess what? When you are born again, when you are uh, come into that vital relationship with God, you can rest assured in no wise will you be cast out. It gets even clearer in John chapter 10, verse 27. He said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life. That's our first clue right there. If something's eternal, it can never end, right? It wouldn't be eternal if you could lose it. <laughs> I've got physical life, but it's not going to last forever. It's going to end one day. But the eternal life that I already have as a child of God is eternal. It's everlasting. It never ends. I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Never perish. He's not talking about our, our earthly life, because that will end one day. But you see... He says, those that, I, uh, that are mine, that are my sheep, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Just in case we didn't quite get that, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Now, I don't know about you, but Brother Morgan just prayed to an almighty, eternal, ever-present God. There's things I have in my hand you could pluck out of my hand. But I, sir, I'm not almighty. But Jesus is. But just in case you didn't quite get that, listen to what he says. My Father, which gave them to me, is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Well, those Jews in that day who didn't really believe in Christ would have gotten that reference to Jehovah God, who is almighty, who had given them to him, and you can't pluck them out of his hand. But in case that's not quite enough for you, he goes on to say, I and my father are one. So we got quite a few assurances here that our eternal life is indeed eternal because Christ is not lying to us about eternal life. He has has given it to every single one of his children, every single one that the father has given him. And he and his father are one. And it can never end because no one can pluck them out of the Father's hand. Now you might say, "Well, I know no man can pluck them out of his hand, but you can pluck yourself out of out of the hand, hand of God." Well, let me just ask you something: Are you a man or a woman? Are you a human? He says no human, no man. He's not just talking about men. He's talking about men and women, man in general. No man can pluck them out of his hand. Praise God for that assurance. I, I want to tell you, I need that assurance, beloved. Things are wonderful today We're talking about the wonderful service Feel the spirit of the Lord Felt it this morning Man we've had a great day in church But as sure as the day opens up tomorrow I got to get back to work And I won't get it just right There'll be times when I'll be upset I'll be down and out I'll be just You know I've been moping around lately sure I, tell you. I don't know I always say that don't I Seem like I have so many times I'm just you know Have a wonderful mountaintop experience Then I'm down in the dumps You know Elijah experienced that I'm glad to know I'm not alone. Elijah had one of the greatest mountaintop experiences in the history of mountaintop experiences. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've said this before. Uh, If I could pray to God and fire would come down and not just burn up the wood on the altar but lick up all of the water that I had had them pour around the altar and on the altar and soak the wood and just destroy it all and the stones as well, I'd think that I'd be pretty excited and on fire for the Lord. And then he destroyed 450 prophets of Baal. And not only that, I, sometimes we forget about this, the very next thing he did is he prayed to God for rain. It hadn't rained for three and a half years. He prayed for rain and there's a little cloud coming. There it came, boom. <laughs> But then the very next thing he did was run for his life when one woman, Jezebel, said, I'm going to kill you. And he sat down under a juniper tree and wished for himself that he might die. I don't want to get off on that tonight because it will take us all the rest of the service, but let me just say there's been many juniper trees in my life. And he thought there was no hope for him. It's time to die. It's over with. Lord, when my part in the kingdom is over, your kingdom would just have to shut down because there's just nobody left but me. (laughs) I'm sure Aunt Lorene might have felt that way from time to time. Just one one member here, one person. You may feel yourself to be one person, and sometimes it looks that way. It looked that way to Elijah, to be fair to him. You know, he had gotten out there, and nobody was out there to help him. God said, Elijah, come on now, get up, get back to work. And you're not alone. And by the way, Elijah, I I just can't help but believe the Lord. I don't know. This is, I shouldn't say that. This is speculation on my part, brother buddy. But I wouldn't be surprised, since I believe the Lord does have a sense of humor, I wouldn't be surprised if when Elijah finally mounted up onto that chariot of fire, And was taken to heaven as one of two men in the history of the world who didn't have to experience death to go to heaven. If he didn't say to that angel that's driving the chariot of fire, let's just dip down in that wilderness and let Elijah see that juniper tree he was sitting under. (laughs) See that juniper tree? (laughs) That's where you thought it was over, old boy. And you you thought they were gonna kill you, and you're not even dying. (laughs) Isn't that glorious? See, that's the God we serve. That's the God that we, we believe has preserved us and will preserve us in grace. Hebrews 7.25 tells us He is able to save them to the uttermost that come to the Father by Him. The word uttermost come, is a compound Greek word. It comes from two Greek words. The word pas, which means... All or complete, and then the word telos, which means to end or fi- the end or the finish or the conclusion. It's the same root of the word that Jesus cries out on the cross, tetelestai. He cries out, it is finished. The same word. He said, This God that we serve is able to save us to the uttermost. That means as far as it has to go. I mean, you know, what does uttermost mean? It just means he's gone as far as he needs to go. He's gone as far. He'll go. You think he's gone far enough? He's gone a little bit farther. (laughs) When those disciples were over there with him in the Garden of Gethsemane, it says, he said, you rest here. And he went a little further. Well, I'm going to tell you, beloved, he always goes a little further. Always. These scriptures contradict the understanding or the belief, rather, that this passage says you can fall from grace, that you can fall from your position as a child of God and die and go to hell. Now, secondly, as Brother Michael Gowen says, the passage says too much for those who believe that you can lose your salvation. Because almost universally, those that believe you can lose your salvation believe you can pick it back up again if you'll just change your ways. You know, today, you didn't do so hot, so you're going to hell. But tomorrow, if you'll pick it up and do better, you can go back to heaven. If you'll repent, you'll pray to God, whatever it requires. And then next day, you may mess it up again and be going to hell again. But then you can change that and repent, and you can be back on the road to heaven. Okay? This passage says too much for that. Look at what it says now. It is impossible. It's impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift. And were made partakers of the Holy Ghost. And have tasted of the good word of God. And the powers of the world to come. If they shall fall away. To renew them again unto repentance. So if that's the right interpretation of this. That you could lose your salvation. It's a one and done deal. You get one shot. And if you mess it up. There's no more hope for you. Because you can't be restored. If you lose your salvation. It's impossible. To get it back. See, it says too much there for the Armenian view that says you can lose your salvation. Now, the other view is what I call the Calvinist or the Reformed view. Here's the idea that they have. The idea of the Reformed believers is that these here who fell away never really were children of God in the first place. They were just false professors of Christ. You know, they said they were part of the church. They said they believed in him, but they really didn't, okay? And that comes back to that idea that we have heard before and we've dealt with about perseverance, that false doctrine of perseverance that's out there that is so burdensome to God's children. It says that you must persevere in faith and good works, and particularly in faith, if you, are go- if you really are a child of God. And if you don't persevere in faith, if you don't persevere in these Things that we're talking about, then you really never were a child of God in the first place. We've talked about that before, about the problem of that. It's, 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 it, it puts you in one of two ditches, okay? Yeah. You know, the, the, the one ditch, the worst, I don't say the worst, it's a, it's, I, I, I guess it is the worst ditch, is it lifts you up in pride. You know, you look around at somebody else, so say, well, I'm better than him. You know, I read about a publican that said that one time. He said or I read about a Pharisee rather that said that one time, about a publican. He said, I'm thankful, Lord, I'm not like this person. I'm not I do this, I do that, I'm sure not like this publican over here. You know, I think you know, one of the things that the Lord hates the worst, he tells us in the book of Proverbs, is pride. A proud heart. He hates that. And he will bring you down, child of God, if you're lifted up in pride. But the other ditch is sometimes almost as bad, and that's the ditch of despair. You think about it, if you really have the right attitude, and that is the truth, and you look at your life and you say, Lord, you're telling me I have to persevere in faith and good works in order to really be a child of God? I clearly see that I'm not persevering every day in faith and good works like I should. Even when I do good works, my mind is thinking bad things. I can't control hardly what jumps into my mind and I have evil thoughts and wicked thoughts and I guess I just must not be one of your children and I'm just going to quit. I'm just going to pull off over here on the the side of the road and wait to die because there's no hope for me. See, those ditches are on both sides of that road of perseverance doctrine. See, the truth is, is that we're going to get to it in a moment, that this is talking to children of God who have veered off the path. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc